Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, what is up? It is so good to uh, get here to midweek, the the middle part of the week where we're going to get into God's Word and... uh, get God's Word into us. So I'm excited about this. I hope that uh, you are and that you're jumping on, whether you're watching us, I think right now watching us on the replay, or you're going to be joining us live here in just a moment. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and uh, we have been going through uh, a study of the book of 1 Corinthians 16. Good morning. It's so good to have you with us And so we're live right now on Facebook and on YouTube. Be sure to share this so other people can get get on and um, get some good stuff. We need to be encouraged. We need to refuel and refill. And uh, so this is going to be a great time. I've got some good stuff for us. Really, it's not me, but it's what, uh, what we find here as we're wrapping up 1 Corinthians 16. By the way, Congratulations, you did it. Some of you have been with me for the whole study of 1 Corinthians. And so we're on our last week. And uh, this has been so rich and so good, so helpful. And um, we're going to be starting a new book of the Bible here soon. uh, And I'll let you know as we get into that. So you don't want to miss it as we get started on our next study. But 1 Corinthians has been so good, and I hope you've been encouraged, and I really had no idea as we got into this how much we would be talking about uh, about some of these issues like unity and how it all really tied into what's happening around us. And the very last attitude is Paul is telling us the kinds of attitude that we need to have in order to, the, to uh, continue growing and continue following after Christ. It has to do with this spirit of refreshment. Uh, being refreshed. And, and he says really here that the main way that we get refreshed is through our relationships and through fellowship with other Christians. And fellowship is more than uh, do- donuts and coffee, right? It's something deeper. It's something better and more. And, you know, really the church should be the most welcoming place on the planet. Jesus said, we'll know They'll know us by our love for each other. And so uh, when you walk into a church, you should be walking into community that is welcoming, that is loving, that sees you. So important. And I'm just so thankful uh, to be a part of a church that just has that in, in our DNA. That you know when you walk in the door, you're loved, you matter, and uh, you're seen 
And so, um, you know, I was reading about um, this singer named John Charles Thomas. And when he was 66, year old, 66 years old, he wrote to uh, Dear Abby, right? Her name was Abigail Van Buren. She was an adv- advice columnist. And he said, I'm presently completing the second year of a three-year survey on the hospitality or lack of it in churches. To date, of the 195 churches I visited, I was spoken to in only one by someone other than an official greeter, and that was to ask me to move my feet. That is so tragic. I think about about that and how important it is for us to, to welcome people in and see people and talk with them. At the Connection Church, we are a family expecting guests, and so we don't want anyone to come in or to leave without uh, being spoken to, without being welcomed and greeted. And, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's, I'd rather err on the side of uh, being over friendly than being under friendly. I think in, in all the years of the Connection Church, in 16 years, we've had one or two people who've said, man, that church was too friendly. But for everybody else, you know, they say, wow, this is so different, such a different environment because they, you can tell that you're loved, you're wanted. And so uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today as we look at the, these last verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And um, this is all about being refreshed. You know, so every once in a while, uh, I have to refresh my computer, refresh my operating system, refresh my phone, shut it down, restart it. We're talking about refreshing. And, and uh, so I want us to read together in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 17. All right. So if you have your Bible, you want to get that out. You may want to take some notes because I think there's some good stuff that we need to hold on to. Again, as Paul is wrapping this up, he's going out strong. He's not just, uh, here's a few final thoughts, but here's some important stuff. So here's what he says. He says, I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. And then these final greetings in verse 19. The churches in, in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. So he's talking about these people, these Christian leaders who supplied uh, what Paul needed, supplied what the church needed, the believers needed, and refreshed them as well. So let's look at some of these. First, you've got Stephanus. He mentioned Stephanus and his household. And uh, here's what we know about Stephanus. Stephanus uh, and his family were the first people who came to Christ in Achaia, and and uh, that that was part of uh, Corinth. So so imagine the courage that it took to be the first person, the first people to step out and step across that line of faith and begin to follow Jesus in the middle of a corrupt culture that was full of immorality, full of injustice, full of worldliness. And yet Stephanus and his family, they said, we're all in for Jesus. And they didn't just minister to others. But if you look in verse 15, which I think we kind of talked about last week, uh, it says they were literally, they were addicted to serving. They were addicted to meeting the needs of believers. If you look back in verse 
15 says they devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. That's how committed they were. The, the Greek word there, uh, a Texan, a Texan, it's a, it's a word for addicted. It means they devoted themselves, they appointed themselves, they diligently, faithfully, uh, you know, unendingly gave themselves to meeting the day-to-day needs of the believers. How many of us would say, yes, I am addicted to service. I love serving the Lord. I love serving other people. I love uh, being a part of the mission of the church. And so, you know, if you're going to, like, I don't recommend addiction in general, right? But being addicted to service, to serving others, is uh, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Now, then, uh, then he mentions uh, he he mentions uh, Fortune, Fortunatus, right? Let's see, um, Fortunatus and Achaicus. Now, this name Fortunatus was a name uh, that was taken on many times by someone who had been a slave formal, formerly, formerly, and they now they're they're saying, "I am blessed. I am fortunate." And now he would have been more like a voluntary employee. Um, But Paul, check this out, this is so amazing, is Paul is encouraging people to submit to Fortunatus and to Achaicus. And that just reminds you, you know, this is somebody who formerly was in slavery and now was uh, in leadership because they knew how to serve. And this really reminds us of the radical freedom and the status-raising power of the gospel to, to raise the level of uh, just of, of where you are in, in the world and how you relate to others to equalize. Remember, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? So they why were the, was their status raised? Well, they had been faithful to serve as in the church, they'd been raised up from within. They had gone above and beyond, and uh, what what was required of them, and so they had refreshed Paul's spirit, just like they would refresh the church uh, by being faithful to to serve as they were called to serve. And these these are examples of what we should do and how we should live. And we need to acknowledge those who faithfully serve well. And we have so many in our church, so many on our dream team who faithfully serve consistently day in and day out, week by week, uh, over time. And we are to honor those people. All right. So then he mentions uh, some others. He mentions Aquila and Priscilla. And they were two former leaders of the Corinthian church. Um, from, from there, Aquila was Jewish. Uh, he had his wife, Priscilla. And check this out. Um, they were living in Rome in 40, the year 49 when uh, the Roman emperor Claudius evicted and expelled all the Jews because of a riot that took place over, um, over Christ, over Jesus. They, because of their faith, they were expelled from Rome, but uh, and that included that included Priscilla and Aquila. But what this emperor Claudius meant for evil turned out to be good for them and for 
others because they moved to Corinth. They set up their tent making business there. And when Paul arrived there in Corinth, uh, Priscilla and Aquila opened their home, invited him in to work with them, gave Paul a place to stay. Op- you know, opening their home this is very key because we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. And so these three worked together, served together, um, were on mission together, ministered together in Ephesus. Um, and that that's probably where Priscilla and Aquila risked their necks for Paul, uh, probably when he fought with beasts, he says, at Ephesus. So Priscilla is in, um, if, you, if you find ancient art and, and, and drawings, things like this, sometimes Priscilla is pictured with two lions who refused to attack her, which is further evidence that, that this is what happened. Priscilla and Aquila also discipled Apollos to follow Jesus. Many people think Apollos was the one who, who wrote um, the book of Hebrews, perhaps. We, we don't really know that, but, uh, but that's quite possible. So when Claudius, the emperor, died in the year 55, Priscilla and Aquila returned back to Rome, and you know what they did? They started hosting a church in their home. So Priscilla and Aquila. But then he mentions this. He mentions these groups like the church, all the churches of Asia, the church that met in the house, all the brothers and sisters. See, the, the Corinthian Christians knew they weren't the only believers around. They knew they weren't the only church on the planet. They knew they weren't better uh, in some way or the superior to other churches. No, they weren't super spiritual. Their church was a part of the big church uh, and, and part of the whole, not just, uh, you know, it wasn't just about them. They were one among many others. And so now all the churches were, were greeting each other. They were all following after Jesus. They needed each other. They belonged to the body of Christ. And, and so it's, it's this incredible picture of the what the unity of the church should look like. Like we're not in competition with other churches. We are, uh, as long as churches are sharing the gospel of Jesus, you know, we're all for them. We're all for them. We're not trying to, to be better or, or anything like that, but we're just partnering together. We also see here that um, the way you become a leader, as you look at these who are mentioned, you become a leader by serving. There are a lot of people, they walk into the church and they say, hey, I, I want to lead here. Maybe you come out of a business background and you're used to to being the boss at, at work or you're used to calling the shots and making important decisions. And so you come into the church and you're like, I want to be a leader. I think I'm a leader. Well, that's great. If you're going to be a leader, you need to learn to serve. When somebody walks in and they say, uh, I'm a leader here, we say, great, there's a broom over in the corner. Start sweeping because, you know, it takes all of us. It takes all of us to, to serve together. Leadership is not about a title or a position. What leadership is about is finding needs and meeting those needs. And we see that in this passage. Uh, and what we do as a church that, that has worked so well for us, and I think it's, it's, it's evident here in 1 Corinthians 16, is we raise up leaders from within. And that's been our most effective strategy at finding team members and key leaders is not the ones who, uh, you know, many times in churches, you uh, look at resumes and you bring people in from outside. You bring in the, the uh, ringers, you know, from, from outside 
And you might find somebody who's really talented, who's really great, that comes in from outside, but typically they don't necessarily have the culture of the church. As somebody who is bought into our church, bought into our mission, and uh, you know they're part of us, typically that's what we find are the people who make the best leaders in our church. You don't have to sell those people on the church. They already believe. They're already bought in. And, and so we see that. That's what happened with these, th- these leaders that we're seeing that Paul is listing, okay? And you see some of them, uh, like Priscilla and Aquila, who traveled and they started other churches, but they were still connected. They were still networked. They were independent churches, but they were networked and cooperating together. And, you know, we have some churches like that from based on people who have served alongside of us, like uh, Pastor Zach down in shirts and you know he left many years ago to start Revolution Church which is a uh, just an effective uh, church down in the shirts area and so uh, it's just an extension of what God has started right here and we're an extension of what others have poured into us uh, from from before so we see here what Paul is talking about the importance of relationships the importance of of these this community, family, we call, uh, you know, our church uh, folks, we call them family because really that's what we are. The church should be like a family. And uh, he he goes so far as to say, we're going to, uh, we're going to greet people with a holy kiss, greet one another with a holy kiss. And so he uses the word holy because this is not a romantic kind of kiss you know, there's nothing sexual about it, but it's just, you know, it's a holy kiss, and many cultures would practice that. Um, that's a little unusual for us, right? It's a little unusual <laughs> for us uh, to, to be kissing. So, so we don't really practice that. Uh, that would be a little creepy, but it is important that we show affection for each other, that, that Christians uh, show our warm and affectionate And that's why, you know, we give a lot of side hugs, we give high fives, we give uh, fist bumps and elbow bumps, all of those things. In fact, um, there was a professor of psychology and the scientific advisor for Pixar's movie Inside Out named uh, Dr. Keltner. And Dr. Keltner claimed that human touch is the foundation of human relationships. He says, skin to skin, parent to child, Touch is the language of our social life. The foundation of all human relationship is touch. There are four years of touch exchanged between mother and baby. And uh, he was one of the co-authors, Dr. Keltner, one of the co-authors of a study that looked at celebratory touches of pro basketball players in the NBA. And uh, he talks about fist bumps, high fives, chest bumps, uh, leaping shoulder bumps, chest punches, head slaps, head grabs, low fives, high high tens, full hugs, half hugs, team huddles, all these ways that we interact physically. And what they discovered, this is crazy, they discovered that teams whose players touched each other a, a lot did better, performed better than the teams where the players didn't. And the conclusion was that touch, physical touch, lowers stress, builds morale, and produces victory. 
Okay, so you think about that, though. Who gets touched in our culture? You know, straight A students get the compliments. Good athletes receive the cheers. But your average person doesn't expect a lot of attention and they just kind of blend in. But the problem is everyone needs affirmation. Everybody needs a pat on the back. Everyone needs encouragement uh, as a person of intrinsic value and worth created in the image of God, loved by God, you know, people need to be noticed. And uh, so that's how we tell each other, you're not alone. You matter. I see you. And so for me personally, you know, you guys, you know this, if you've been uh, to the Connection Church, you know, I am a, uh, I'm a hugger and uh, I just, it just goes through my mind. This may be the only uh, affection that some person gets this week, this month, especially these days, as, as everybody is so socially distant. And this has been a hard time too, because you know we're supposed to physically distance. And uh, so I, I try, I try, but I, I admit sometimes I'll get in somebody's personal space, and you know they'll. I had somebody on Sunday that's like, whoa, 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 that's okay. I'm sorry. But I just feel like for most people, we need that kind of uh, love and affection. So, um, so anyway, just uh, put that into practice as you can with the fist bumps, the high fives, the elbow bumps, the side hugs, whatever it is. Uh, because this says here, he says, greet each other with a holy kiss. We may say a holy high five, a holy handshake, you know. Uh, let's, let's move on. Where do we get energy. How do we get refueled, refreshed? Um, when I went on a trip last week, we had a rental car and we had to take it back. And I'll tell you, I was, I was kind of right up to the wire, but I had to go find a gas station. I didn't feel like I had enough time to find a gas station. Sometimes, you know, we are in such a rush that we don't take the time to refuel. So how do we do that? Well, it comes from community. It comes from connection. As people, it comes from connection, connection with God and connection with others. We all need people who supply our needs. You need people in your life who will supply your needs. What are your needs? Well, maybe you need more faith. You need to find some people in your life. Get around some people who are people of great faith. Maybe you need some more discipline in your life. Well, you can surround yourself with somebody in your life who's disciplined. Maybe you need somebody who has some passion, a passionate person about God, about life. Get around those people, people who are generous, who are giving. You need more generosity in your life. Get around some generous giving people because they're able to, to uh, pour into you, pour that into your attitude and your spirit. And it could be you know, an emotional kind of need. It could be a physical need. We need to help each other with those as well. Uh, but, but think about that. People who supply your needs, but also we need some people who refresh your spirit. And this may be two different people, you know, so need suppliers, uh, spirit refreshers, maybe the same people. But uh, I know that in the church world, you know, it's easy for people to kind of go negative, to get bitter because you're, you're always dealing with people. You're around people. And uh, so there are problems when, you know, ministry would be great and life would be great, but, but people, sometimes their problems uh, will, uh, you know, will cause you to go negative. 
And so when I find leaders who can stay positive about what God is doing, keep their eyes fixed on God, fix their keep their eyes fixed on the victories, that's those those are some people who refresh our spirit. And Paul was encouraged and he wanted the Corinthian Christians to be encouraged too. So you need some people who refresh you. I'm thinking about Proverbs 11:25 that says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed, right? So you want to be refreshed, you need to be refreshing. We got to get around some people who can sharpen us, like in Proverbs 27, 17, where iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. One author called these people balcony people. That's people who are up in the balcony watching, and they're cheering you on, they're applauding and saying, go for it. So we need those kinds of people in our life. Now let's look on at verse 21. It says He says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Many times they'd have, he, you know, the, the authors would have uh, sort of like a scribe or somebody who was transcribing and writing down what they were saying. But Paul says, hey, I'm writing this in my own hand. This is from me, kind of a personal uh, greeting. And in verse 22, if anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. And then he says, come Lord. So let that person, if you don't love the Lord, let that person be cursed. And then he says, come Lord. So the two words here, when you look at the word cursed is the word anathema. It's the curse. It's, um, it's being condemned. And then he follows that up with anathema with maranatha, which means Come quickly, Lord. Oh, Lord, even so, Lord, come. So let's go to the anathema part. Anathema, you know, you see these extremes with Paul where he has, he's, he's uh, outraged at those people who are pretending to follow the Lord, but they don't really love the Lord. And you have people like that sometimes in the church. Paul had people in the Corinthian church who, uh, even though most of them believed the gospel, he knew that sometimes you get the, the liars and the, the, the posers, right? And so he said, uh, the Lord, you know, if you are in the church, but you don't love the Lord, then, then that, there's a curse on you. Uh, but, you know, Paul's harshest words, they were always to the legalists. Like Jesus's were, harshest words were to the legalists. And what they do, the legalists, they put um, following the legalistic law above God's call to love. God's call to love others, right? Um, and, you know, there are always those self-appointed witch hunters who, who are trying to judge others. And they're the ones who are most in need of some judgment in their life, right? So he says, anathema on the one hand and maranatha, even so... Lord, come, because we aren't the judge. Jesus is the judge. So we, we proclaim, come quickly, Lord. Come, Lord. You know, this world isn't our home. And we, as followers of Jesus, are eagerly looking forward to the day when Jesus comes back again, when he splits open the sky. And I'm especially excited about that because I've just finished my new book called User's Guide to the End of the World. And so that will be available very soon on, uh, on Amazon, uh, but uh, it's going to be available in paperback and in kind of a Kindle e-reader version. Um, and we're going to actually do a study on that following, uh, following Easter. We're going to get into a study of just 
you know, the, the, the end things, because a lot of people are looking around right now and they're saying, how is it all going to end? And uh, we know how it's going to end because God tells us very clearly in his word. And so that should give us hope. And it's, it's all really about hope. So, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, now he goes on, Let, let's, let's finish with this. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And he says, my love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. So these two things, grace and love. Listen, we're all in need of grace, right? We're all, we all need God's grace. And when we receive God's grace, then we become givers of grace. And, um, and then he talks about my love to all of you, ending it all in love. See, the thing is, we're all going to face challenges. We're all going to face problems and opposition in life. But no matter what, you can, you can rest in the love of Jesus for you. This was just of the utmost importance is, is love for Jesus and love for others. The most important attitude and spirit we should have for each other is one of love. And Paul was very quick to, to, to express his love for other believers, uh, to confirm that he loved them. And, you know, that reminds me, like, if you think it and it's good, say it. Don't be afraid to tell somebody that you love them as a, as a brother or sister in Christ. Um, I, I have one other thing as we kind of wrap this up. I, I want to think for just a minute about the, the issue of hospitality, because a lot of this passage really deals with that, like Priscilla and Aquila opening their homes and one of the great things about homes, the, the early Christians, they used their homes uh, as a tool for the gospel. And we do that with our connection groups. You know, God gave us our homes to be used in ministry. Long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, the church had kitchens and dinner tables. And uh, this was a tool that they used. In fact, the primary gathering place of the church was in the home. And, and this is so brilliant how God put this in a place because the first generation of Christians, they had so many different contrasting cultures. How else could you get all those differences together? There were at least 15 different nationalities who heard Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. The Jews stood next to the Gentiles. Men worshiped with women. Slaves and, and masters both were following after Jesus. Can people of such different cultures and backgrounds ever come together? That's a question for our day right now. Um, those questions like, can different races live in peace and harmony with each other? Can Democrats and Republicans find common ground? You know, the early church proved that it is possible, and they did it without the help of church buildings, without seminaries. They did it through the clearest of messages, the message of the cross, and the simplest of tools, the most basic of tools, our homes. You know, not, not all of us can go and serve in another country. Not all of us can lead a disaster relief effort or even volunteer downtown at a soup kitchen, but all of us can open our homes. If you have a front door, you can open the front door. If you have a table, if you have chairs, if you have uh, some chips and uh, maybe some salsa, you know, congratulations, you have just qualified to serve in the, the oldest of ministries, and that is the ministry of hospitality, of opening your home. And something holy happens when you gather around the table, 
that won't happen in a worship center. In a worship center, you're looking at the backs of people's heads. But around the table, you see expressions on people's faces. You know, in a worship center, you've got one person that's talking, but around the table, everyone gets to talk. And, and church services are scheduled on the clock. But around the table, you've got time. You've got freedom to talk. So hospitality opens the door to uncommon community. In fact, the word hospitality and hospital both come from the same Latin root word because they're both, they both lead to healing. And when you open the door to somebody, you're saying, you matter to me and you matter to God. And you may think what you're saying is just come over for a visit. But what your guest is hearing is, I'm worth this person's time. I'm worth this person's effort. So we have learned in this study of 1 Corinthians about practically about what unity looks like, what worship looks like, and even what we should look forward to with eternity. Uh, we see these Christians who were struggling, but even in their doubts, even in their questions, God had the answers. God showed them the answers. And, and the truth is, you know, we all have struggles. We all have problems, but God is big enough to, to answer any of your questions, to, to calm any of your doubts and fears. And he, what God did with their questions was they were brave enough to ask someone, they asked Paul the questions. And so God then revealed those answers to Paul. So if you have questions, if you're uh, struggling, don't keep that to yourself. Reach out because I believe God wants to provide those answers. And many times the way he does that is through his people, through his church. And so I'm glad that we come together for this and we're going to continue following after him because this is just the beginning. We want to grow in those attitudes and the spirit that leads to continual growth in our love for God and our love for people. So I want to pray with you right now. Thank you for, for joining me for this study. I feel this is a, a huge occasion that we've gotten through verse by verse, 1 Corinthians. I look forward to what we're going to be starting next, but let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for all those who are with me, all those who are watching, all those who are listening. And God, I pray that, Lord, you're surrounding them with people who love you, who love them, who will refresh them who will um, be able to, that you will be able to supply all of our needs according to your riches in glory. God, give us love for those who are difficult to love. And when we're difficult to love, God, we pray that we would be able to receive uh, that, that love from, from others, God. Uh, just give us hearts, God, of hospitality and openness and welcoming and warmness to the people around us, that we would honor those who are serving well, that we would strive to follow their example, and we would strive to serve others well as well. God, we thank you um, for your goodness right now. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being with me through this. I have loved it, and I'm looking forward to what is next, and I'll be sure to let you know when we kick off our next study. So thank you so much, and uh, have a blessed day and a blessed uh, rest of the week. Thanks.
Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.